On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Danielle, author, consultant, and TEDx speaker. We discuss the three key digital voices and how they can show up, seven ways to pre-promote your content, and how to know when you found more of your authentic voice. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Danielle, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Danielle, you're an author, consultant, and TEDx speaker who uses anthropological principles to develop personal branding to provide expertise on brand identity and voice. Tell me what led you to study anthropology and why didn't you continue down the traditional route? You know, I started studying anthropology because I thought I wanted to understand how people work. I wanted to understand, you know, society around us. And as I got deeper into that process, what I realized was that what I was really doing was trying to use all of these ways of understanding other people as ways to understand myself. And I didn't end up continuing down that path in a traditional manner because frankly, I don't like digging in the dirt or camping. So a lot of what anthropologists and archaeologists do has you in environments that for me as a very red lipstick wearing, dress loving, heel wearing woman didn't really appeal to me. So I took a lot of the principles that I learned, a lot of the theoretical anthropology and archaeology, and I just kind of did my own thing with it. And I found ways to use it in business and marketing and personal development. And it's been a really wild ride. That's really interesting. You've taken that approach and you've been able to sort of combine two quite different, varied disciplines and put them together. Are there any principles that really stand out that you use on a common basis? You know, the ones that I use the most are the ones that I talked about in my TEDx talk. And they are, one, everything has meaning on its own, whether it's an object, a thought, it has a meaning in and of itself. All objects and thoughts have a meaning in relationship to other things. So if you're old like me, you remember that there's a relationship between a cassette tape and a pencil. They have their own meaning separately, but when you bring them together, they have a different use. And then the third principle I use is that every object or thought has the most meaning in its original context. So if you think about where you find something or where you use something, if you can look at it in that space rather than... So if you find you know, a pen next to a piece of paper on a desk, that tells you something about how those are used and what they mean to the person who owns them. If you find that same pen out in the parking lot next to a car, you might have a different interpretation. So I take very specific items and sometimes thought patterns and I look at them and I'm able to figure out what does that mean in a larger context and how can that inform us on how we want to behave, how we want to speak or what we now know about ourselves. That's a really valuable skill to have and, and something everyone can take back with them and understand that, you know, everything that even you have in your home sort of has a purpose and has a place. And yes, look around you and just imagine 
an archaeologist or an anthropologist walking into your home and looking at your things and what they might mean about you. Just open your eyes to that and you'll be surprised what you figure out about yourself quickly. Yeah, and there's a lot to discover. Uh, at least that's what I found anyway. I've, I've been doing a fair bit of personal development over the last year or so. And just when you think you're, uh, you're sort of down at the bottom and you found everything, you realize there's, uh, you know, so much more to go, but it's, it's a continual process. Yes. That's called stratigraphy in archaeology. You have these different strata and you get to the bottom of one strata and you realize there's another. <laughs> <laughs> It's like this, uh, you know, sort of finding at the core of who you are and trying to find your authentic self going through layers and layers. And that's something you help people with is, is finding their digital voice and aligning their true selves to and to be able to communicate that to others. Exactly. So one of the things that I've developed is this idea that we each have an authentic inner voice. And sometimes when we try to express ourselves either online or even sometimes in real life, we turn into this weird person who talks in a way that we think that we should because we think that's what, what somebody wants to hear or we've heard someone else express themselves that way and it worked for them. And what I'm finding is that the more content there is out there for people to consume, the more sensitive they're becoming to what is authentic and what is not. And if you can figure out what your authentic voice sounds like and express that digitally through social media or your marketing materials, it's going to resonate with people in a way that no amount of sales and manipulation can do. It's extremely powerful. So there are three voices that I've discovered through research and they have fun names. So they're easy for you to remember. One is called the enthusiast and that's somebody who speaks with an exclamation point. Even if you don't use an exclamation point after every sentence, the tone of what you're communicating is an exclamation point. And there are many people who use this voice because they want to stir up excitement. And I notice a lot of people who work in MLM or social marketing companies will have been trained to use this voice. But if it's not your authentic voice, it just comes across as annoying. So there are people like myself who have an authentic enthusiast voice. But if you're trying to use that voice because you're not comfortable using the voice that is actually yours, it won't resonate with your people. The second voice is called the sage. And that is somebody who speaks with a period at the end of what they say. This is somebody who has an opinion, somebody who tells it like it is, and it engages people through being decisive. And this voice is actually the voice that I find that women especially are the most afraid to use. So they will fall back into that enthusiast voice, trying to get people to listen to them by being really excited about something rather than having an opinion or being decisive about something. And so they end up undercutting their own energy through expressing a voice through social media or their marketing that is not authentically theirs. It just it turns people away. The third voice is called the researcher. And this is someone who speaks with a question mark. It's their tone. You don't always use a question mark, but their tone is, is seeking. It's like an investigative reporter. They're always looking for information. And sometimes they're giving an opinion, but sometimes they're looking for information. And we can all use bits and pieces of each of the three voices in our digital marketing and in our social media. 
But finding the one that is authentically yours is the one that's really going to captivate people and make them want to listen to you. It's going to draw them in towards you rather than making them feel like they can't get away from you fast enough because you're spewing things at them. I'm glad that you clarified about combining a few together. It's yeah, pick your own adventure, really. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think about which one I uh, which one I lay in, and I'm probably a combination of sage and researcher. Probably a, mm-hmm. a combination of both. How do you know you've found your authentic voice? Well, one of the ways you'll know is that it becomes easier for you to share your ideas and your content because you just feel confident about what you're saying. Another way to know if you found your authentic voice is that people start being magnetized to you. They want to listen to what you have to say. If you're talking to people out in real life, they start leaning into you, their body language. Even if your subject matter isn't of interest to them, they will be captivated and want to hear what you have to say just because you're an interesting person. Online, when you found that authentic voice, people will start interacting with you. There's a school of thought that says, We need to figure out what the people we want to hear us want to hear and say it. I suggest the opposite, that we need to figure out what we want to say and say it in our authentic, genuine, real voice. And the right people will hear it and they will want to hear everything you have to say. They'll stick around. Kind of reminds me of the phrase or terminology, a thousand true fans. And it's about yes. you know, finding the, the small group of people who, you know, are not, not in love with you, but love your ideas and love what you're all about. And I guess that's done through or facilitated by having an authentic voice and being able to communicate that in a digital environment. Yes. Are there any limiting beliefs that you had or that you've had to overcome in relation to authenticity? Oh, my goodness. Limiting beliefs. You know, I had a big struggle right up front when I graduated with my anthropology degree. I have a master's degree in that. And I really thought that I couldn't use what I had learned there because I didn't fit in. I call myself the world's most unlikely anthropologist because it just didn't make sense for me to be so passionate about that knowledge because I knew when I was studying it, that the work environment for using that wasn't something that was attractive to me. So for 10 years, I basically didn't use what I'd learned because I didn't think that it was available to me. And it was after I realized that what made me and the way that I do things and the way I express myself unique and attractive and really a, a niche somebody who is the only one who can do what I do was the fact that I was who I was, which was a very girly sort of girl who had all this incredible knowledge. And it made this package that the world had never seen before. And it made people want to listen to me because what's really cool is that, you know, the world is always looking for something better. But what they really prefer is something new. And if you can show them that what you're doing is new, that's really exciting to people. Yeah, like we said before, combining sort of two very differing ideas and concepts, putting it together and you've you've made something new and something that no one really else has before. You also touched upon a point about, you know, 
niching. It sort of made me think that everyone's their own niche in a sense. Everyone's their own combination of, you know, skills, abilities, experiences. Absolutely. And that's really the key is recognizing that you are a category of one and figuring out, you know, what that looks like. And one of the ways I suggest for people to do that is look at the things that are just weird about you or that you criticize about yourself or that you're ashamed of or just the things that you are in love with and are passionate about that maybe other people think are a little bit off or geeky or whatever. Look at those things and then juxtapose that with a skill set that you have, whether you've learned that through work or through the School of Art Knox. Look at those two things. And when you can rub them together, it creates this amazing brand and this amazing way to niche yourself that will have you stand heads and tails above everybody else who's trying to fit in. That can be be a big blocker as well, people trying to fit in and not wanting to go against the herd. Is there any advice that you'd have for those struggling to to display who they are for you know for fear of you know rejection or, or being isolated? What I will say about that is that you have nothing to fear by showing your true colors and everything to gain. I have been working on this process for years now and Really, nothing bad has happened to me. The archaeology and anthropology police have not come after me and said, you cannot use your degree this way. People have not come up to me and said, you can't dress like that and you know, talk about these things. There has not been a real consequence. There were really only imaginary consequences. So I encourage you to just use me as an example and say, well, she got away with it. I might as well try. For sure. That's quite valuable. The fears are often in your head. Really, mm-hmm. and the the chances of them ever happening is is far slimmer than than you think they are. Right. And like I said, you've got nothing to lose, so why not give it a shot and see what right. happens? The only thing you might lose is your fear, and then you'll just mm. become bolder and bolder. What scares you at the moment? What scares me at the moment is the same thing that has dogged me, and I have done work on this and still not been able to find a way to release it. And that is that I fear that the jig will be up. That at some point, I will be punished for all of the things that I've gotten away with. And that that's a fear of mine that if I could let go of that would feel amazing. It doesn't stop me from doing things, but it's like this feeling in the background of always being hunted. Well, that's a hard one to overcome. That's uh, Imposter syndrome is such a big thing, especially in business, where people think they don't have the skills or abilities to deliver a service or, or a product to others. And it's, it's definitely something that does come up commonly, I think, in, in the business world. Is having yeah, that. and I would say mine is even slightly more nuanced than that. It's not so much that I feel that I'm an imposter because I know that I know what I know and, and that I can do it really well. But I feel like at some point, like I broke free of a barrier that maybe like I wasn't supposed, like I'm going to be dragged back to where I came from. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a, like a slingshot, basically. Yes, pull, pull, exactly. Pull the band. further I go out, the the more the risk of being shot back is. Yeah, that, that, that can make it tough going forward. I do wish you all the best in figuring how you can overcome that, that fear of yours. Thank you. I'll work on it. <laughs> Switching gears, would love to hear your thoughts about pre-promoting content. Obviously, a lot of you know creators or people out there put all this time and effort into, into putting content out. There's other ways to sort of build up the hype. So what's your yes. advice in, in sort of pre-promoting so that you can have the biggest impact when you do release key, you know, key pieces of content? Yes. So once you figure out which voice is yours, that's 
going to give you so much freedom. But then what you need to do is think about that element of pre-promoting, of putting things out before they're out, because that's what the big guys do. You know, you see a movie, but you've seen the trailer for it like three months ahead of time. Most of the promotion of a product when it comes to big movie studios and other people who have big budgets comes before the thing is actually available. They may not have anything more than, you know, a 30 second clip and they're already promoting it to you. And that is the thing that I find a lot of entrepreneurs miss is this idea that we need to be pre-promoting. And I like to describe it to people as you need to be engaging in foreplay with your audience. Because if you wait until the last minute when you are actually dropping content on someone, you're just going straight to the climax and you are missing all of the engagement and fun that comes before that. So there are a minimum of seven opportunities for you to pre-promote your stuff. And you'll want to use these often. You'll want to cycle through using different ones at different times. But don't be afraid to overshare because when you're speaking in your authentic voice, the people who love your content are only going to love it more if you help them to enjoy their life more by knowing that it's coming. People need a reason to get up and you know go in the morning. A lot of people are leading really dull, boring lives. And the content that you're providing them or the service that you're providing or the product might be the thing that's bringing them happiness in life right now. And don't be afraid to share that with them. So the seven points of pre-promotion, and there are infinite numbers. These are just the seven that I use regularly and that I highlight when I talk. So don't feel like just because I said these that there aren't others. You will hopefully, as a creative-minded person, think of lots of other ways that you can pre-promote your stuff. But your first opportunity is when you have the idea. As soon as you have the idea for something you're going to create, even if you never end up creating it all the way, let people know about it. That is a way, if you do end up creating it, to get people excited about it. And if you put it out there and you lose steam or people don't respond to it, that's a message too that's super valuable. Your second opportunity is as soon as you take first action towards actually creating whatever it is your idea was. So whether that, say for Aiden's show, you know, speaking to a guest about being on the show, that's his second opportunity to be promoting a future podcast episode. Your third opportunity is when you've actually put it on the calendar that you're going to create said thing. So using the example of Aiden's show, when he has actually booked a guest, he can be letting people know that that happened. People want to know all of the behind the scenes things that are going on with whatever content service product you're creating. Your fourth opportunity is just before you start actually creating. So in our instance today, I promoted the podcast that we are recording right now by letting people know, hey, we're, we're about to record. This is happening today. So something that you are creating or a service that you're putting together, let people know, hey, Here's what I'm working on. Here's what's happening today. They want to hear that. Your fifth opportunity is when you've completed it. Now, if this is a long-term project, there are infinite opportunities in the meantime to let people know how you're progressing. But if it's something that is you know, quickly done in a 15-minute or even a one-day period, just let people know before you start it 
And then when you finished and you might share a little information about you know, what you learned or what came out of that or what works, didn't work, depending on which voice is authentically yours, whether that's the enthusiast, the sage, or the researcher, you're going to communicate that information in a different tone and would use completely different words to do that. But think about that. Your sixth opportunity is when you announce the release date for whatever it is that you have created. And then your seventh opportunity is the day before teasers. There's seven opportunities. If you think about it, they're so obvious. And once you realize that what they are, you're like, oh yeah, all of the, the guys with the big bucks are doing this. You realize, oh yeah, I can do this too, either through my email list or my social media, talking to people I meet in person. You can go through all these seven steps and even more depending on you know, what your content is and how long it takes you to create it. And even though the big guys are using it, you don't need big bucks to to implement the strategy yourself either. You can be... Exactly. You know, you, you could do it all through word of mouth if, if you wanted to, or you could do it through yeah. social media or, or through any digital platform or yeah. through varying digital platforms. If you've got five platforms, you've now got 35 opportunities to pre-promote. Yep. And you can do these in writing. You can create videos. Any way that you want to create content to share this with people, do it. You also touched on a really good point and something that I've overcome recently was about, you know, the people that you're serving want, want to hear more from you. And so, you know, don't be afraid to put it, you know, be putting out more content because yep. the people who want to hear more from you will want to hear more from you. And the people who don't want to hear from you won't, which is fine. Back down to the, you know, finding the, um, the core audience that you serve and by being authentic and sharing your story. Absolutely. Drive the people who are just lurking around away faster by putting your stuff out there <laughs> so you know that yeah. the people that are there are engaged and really want to be there. That's it. Yeah. Find out that audience that you want to serve and, and, and go for it and allow people to self-select either way. Yeah. Now, Daniel, a question that I'd like to ask all guests on the podcast, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is what's your definition of the grind? Oh, my goodness. The grind? The grind is getting up when you'd really rather just lay down. <laughs> For me, it is that mindset of really knowing that what you're doing makes a difference and just showing up to do whatever the next piece of work is in front of you over and over and over. It's an important piece. I'd like to think of the grind is to work what practice is to yoga. It's something... You're never going to get out of it. You have to practice yoga over and over. You never perform yoga. You never have your final yoga performance. And in, in your work life, you never have your, your final grind. You just always are doing it. So just learn to love it and keep going. Thank you for your, your sort of perspective on the grind. Yeah. Something that never really goes away. It's always there in the background. And, you know, where can people find more about you, Danielle? Yeah, look for me on Instagram. I am at the underscore Danielle Daily. You can also check out my podcast. It is suddenlysingleshow.com, also available on iTunes and other places. And I'd also love to connect with you on Facebook if you're there, the Danielle Daily. We'll include all the, uh, the show notes in the episode. So you can click on those links to connect with Danielle and learn a bit more of what she does. Check out her TEDx speech and start to, you know, learn how you can develop your digital voice. Danielle, thanks so much for coming and, you know, sharing your time and insights on the, um, on the show. My pleasure. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I appreciate you for stopping by. Please subscribe. Otherwise, if you took away valuable advice from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with others. Until next time.